Uh, great singing this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning for Resurrection Sunday. Let's give the Lord a great hand today. Well, it's great to see you here on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, the day we remember not only that Jesus uh, died on the cross and paid the penalty for us, but that he rose again. That's the power of the gospel is that Jesus is alive. So, so good to have you with us if you're visiting and uh, coming through Port Lincoln. Hope that you're enjoying it. It is always sunny and, and uh, no wind or anything like that here. It's like this all the time. So we love it here. That's why, isn't it true? So this morning we have a, a service at Alliston uh, as well. So uh, it's really great that we have a team going up there this, uh, this Easter Sunday to celebrate Easter uh, for the guys up in Alliston. Also, BJ and myself are going to be in the prison at 2pm today, doing a prison service. So it's a great honour that we have that opportunity today to bring the Word of God into the prison as well. So this morning, I want to remind you our theme this Easter is the word redeemed. There's a, there's a powerful meaning in the word redeemed. It's almost like compensation. So, um, you know, when, when someone wrongs you, I said this on, on Good Friday, when someone wrongs you, then you want compensation for the wrong. Is that right? You say, hey, you, 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 you ripped me off or you stole from me, so I want to be compensated for that. And uh, what, what the, the redeeming work that Jesus did is we wronged God, the world has wronged God, and what God comes and, and does, he says, well, I'll pay the compensation for you. It's like the it's a backwards way around. It's like, hang on, we owe you, God. And God says, yeah, I know, but you can never pay me back, so I'm going to pay the compensation for you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. I just think that's so amazing and wonderful. It's, it's uh, just too good for us because God paid the debt that we, couldn't, that we could never pay. And hopefully this morning as I, uh, as I share, um, it'll be uh, apparent uh, how amazing that really is. So I know we have a lot to gain as people from the cross and the death of Jesus and the, the, uh, the gravity of that is so amazing, yet much more was accomplished through his resurrection. And I think we spend a lot of time talking about the cross and that's really, that's really good and we've, we've been obsessed by the cross because I think we, we, we get a, people get offended if, if you don't have a cross on your church or don't have a cross in, in your church somewhere or other. But you know what? No one gets obsessed with, let's have a, a picture of an empty tomb or a big hole in the wall representing the empty tomb. You know, That's where the power is. The cross has power, but the empty tomb has greater power. And I think we have to reawaken ourselves in spiritual things to understand the real power that is in the gospel. So uh, we're going to look at that this morning, and I think it's going to be a, a little bit of fun, hopefully, but also very powerful as well. So um, the central theme of the new covenant is that Jesus beat death, and that same power will raise you and all who believe uh, to an eternal life, a, a life that never ends. That's the power that is in the new covenant. The old covenant was law, regulation, um, the, the blood of uh, uh, bulls and goats and sheep and doves. And I'm glad I wasn't a bull or a dove or a sheep in those days because I might have been sacrificed because I only sacrificed perfect specimens. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Let, let, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the serious bit this morning. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning for your word, that the, there is power in your word. Lord, that there is truth 
in the name of Jesus that sets us free. And Father, I pray this morning that your word will come alive, that your word will be powerful, that it will have an impact upon our spirits so that we can leave this place better equipped and better empowered for the next thing you have for us. And I pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn your Bibles with me, if you will, and the, the, the things should come up on the screen, uh, the, the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 21, and, and Josh has already mentioned that this morning. It says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. I think that's just so incredible that we, we need to know and realise and understand that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. And when you, I'm just getting off track, but that's okay. Uh, he's at the right hand of God, which means that when we pray to Jesus, he's got the, he's got the voice to the king straight away. So uh, he's uh, seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So I want us to really hone in on some things this morning. Not only in this world does Jesus have authority, but in the world to come, which is eternity, heaven, whatever other way we want to describe it. So in Jesus' resurrection is your redemption promise. Your compensation promise is in Jesus' resurrection. Uh, it, it's for now so that you can live in the power of Jesus today in this life and also for an eternal life to come. So you're, you're going to be redeemed forever. So the empty tomb was a promise fulfilled that points to another greater promise that is yet to be fulfilled, which I'm very excited about, and that is that Jesus will return for his church. And it's something we need to preach more about, something we need to be reminded about more and more, that we've, we're not just, just uh, floating around waiting, for, waiting for, for, for our lives to end, but really we have that promise from Jesus that he, not only did he leave the tomb empty, but he gave us a promise and said, I'm going to return for the church. So the resurrection story um, is, is a powerful story because it points to not only Jesus' resurrection for now, but it also talks about the future and the return for the church. So we're going to pick up the story of the resurrection from the book of Luke. So on Good Friday, I use the book of Matthew to, to go through the, the story of the cross. And uh, now this morning, I want to use the book of Luke to look at the resurrection. So um, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 11, I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to pick out the, 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 the bits that I want to show you tonight. So verse number 6, there was Jesus had some, some disciples that were women, not just uh, 12 men, there were women disciples as well. Verse 6 says the women went to the tomb. So um, they, they went to the tomb and they found it empty on the, the uh, three days after his, his crucifixion. And uh, it says there that uh, they found an empty tomb in verse number 6. And there's an angel waiting there and he declares about Jesus because they, they find that, hey, there, there's no body here. He, where, where is he? He's gone. And they're distressed by that. But he declares he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. So I, I like uh, the, the scriptures there. It says, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? So, but they didn't know that yet. 
Because the last time they saw Jesus, he was dead and he was being taken off the cross. They would have followed him to the tomb, followed his dead body to the tomb. And so they knew that he was dead because he really was dead. And so they followed him to the tomb and this angel declares, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? But I want to tell you something that is fundamental to Christian belief is that Jesus rose from the tomb and is not dead. That he did die, but he is not dead now. So let's go back to the story and uh, what the angel said to the women. So uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 6, it says this, Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Now this is a very interesting thing because this is going to be a bit of a theme this morning. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. So Luke chapter 24, verse 78, uh, this is what he said, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then it says in verse 8, then they remembered that he had said this. So, you know, sometimes you get details of stuff, and, and people tell you things, or you know, especially if they give you instructions. They say, now, what, what I want you to do is do this, this, and this, this, and, and, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, got it. But then when you go, you're thinking, oh, this happens to me when we go out, and, and yeah, especially if there's a few people and they say, oh, you go and order the drinks. And you go, yeah, 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 got it. Yep, 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 yep. Like it takes me about from, from there to here to go, hang on a minute. The soda lime and bitters or bitter load of Simon. Uh, what? Hang on. Can you help me again? Okay, Pauline, you just do the orders. So it was a bit like that. So verse 8 says, but then they remembered that he had said this. Now, what did he say? What did he tell them back in Galilee? He said, I'll be betrayed. Tick. That happened. I'll be crucified. I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to be killed. Tick. Happened. I'll rise from the dead on the third day. They forgot. They forgot that in their grief, in their sorrow, in their pain, in their hurt, in their disappointment, in all those, those things that they were feeling, they forgot that, that part of the story. I will rise from the dead on the third day. And I love the part that says, then they remembered. Then they remembered. Luke 24 verse 9. So when they remembered, it says they took off to tell the others. That's, that's a, an abbreviation of that scripture. But, but basically they, they took off to tell the others. Verse 11. So they, get, they find the disciples and it says the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. These same men heard the same instructions. I'm going to be betrayed. Tick. We saw that. I'm going to be crucified and killed. Tick. Saw that. I'm going to rise again on the third day. We saw, we saw the other two things happen, but then when it came to the resurrection, they said, no, we don't believe that. What bit about what God said, what Jesus said, did they not get? It's amazing. So we talk about doubting Thomas. Well, they were all doubting disciples, the whole lot. They said, no, we don't believe it. No. Luke chapter 24, verse 12, if we go on. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. I love the attitude of Peter. It's something we need to foster in our lives to the, to the word of God. It says, hearing, he ran. He, he jumped up and he ran to have a look for himself. That's a, to me, that's a picture of, of a great attitude. I want to tell you, maybe it's not great English or not great uh, um, uh, uh, 
presentation of this, have a however attitude when it comes to what God speaks to you about in your life. So God may give you a promise and you think, well, you know what? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a way forward. I don't think this could ever work. I don't think there could ever be a restoration. I don't think God could put things together again in this or that situation in your life. Have a Peter attitude that says, however, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to run and see what God has for me. Oh, you're excited about that this morning. That's good. Peter jumped up and he ran to see for himself. I want to tell you something. Have an attitude that says, I'm going to run and see what God has for me. It's a a great attitude to have because you can have the attitude of despondency. Peter could have said, well, you know what? We know Jesus was dead as dead. I saw him dead and that's it. But you know something? Jesus wants to stir within you when when things seem dead and buried and, and gone, that Jesus wants to bring the redemption power of his name into your situation and circumstances. So moving on, Peter had this however attitude and he saw the empty tomb and that Jesus is alive. It says he went away wondering, what does this all mean? But what it means is Jesus destroyed death. And that promise for us today reaches all the way to you. So wherever you are today, whatever you think of God, that promise of Jesus' redeeming power reaches all the way from the empty tomb to you. The redeemed work of Jesus is complete because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and his power is at work today just as much as it has been ever before. Moving to further on down in the, in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 to 24. It says this. This is what the Apostle Paul has to say about our lives. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam and everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Now, there's, there's, there's something really, really important there that I want you to focus in on those three, uh, four words, when he comes back. And we need to realize that Jesus has a plan to return. He has a plan to come back. So after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. When you think of that, you think, what is he? He's going to destroy governments and all that. He's going to destroy evil powers and rulers and, and uh, unseen Uh, evil that that controls people and wants to destroy and ruin lives so today I'm preaching resurrection for all who believe and Jesus will return and we must be people who remember what Jesus said so we don't want to be a church we don't want to be a Christian an individual a believer a person who says well I go to church and I do all this kind of uh, all this kind of stuff and and I fulfill my roster I'm trying to be the best that I can and then and then but we forget what Jesus said and we live a life that, that, that uh, does a form of, of righteousness, but we forget the power that Jesus is alive and that he's going to return for his church, that he's going to return for us. Because I tell you something, when we, when we live with that reality, our days will change. The way in which we live will be different. So I'll give you some references of, of, of Jesus' return. There's, there's just stacks and stacks of them. It is the central theme of the good news, the central theme of the gospel is that Jesus is coming back for the church. And so often we talk about, we, we preach about, you know, having victories. We preach about, you know, uh, 
living our best life and I've done all this sort of stuff, but we need to get back to the urgency that Jesus is returning for the church. That's the the whole main purpose of the gospels that we have is so that we always reminded that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his people. So I'll just run through them. First Corinthians, there's, there's, there's three verses there. I think they, they should pop up. Here they are. These are, these are just quick references that, that I just, just found quickly about Jesus' return. And if we were to go through the, the, uh, the New Testament, that we could triple that easily. Quite easily, we'll find many, many more scriptures that that directly reference the return of Jesus. So you know why it's there and why it's so so frequent? It's because Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is returning. And we need to prepare ourselves for that because we don't want to be like those women who who knew all about the, you know, we we saw the, the, the things that Jesus talked about. We saw that he, he, got, he went to Jerusalem, that he got, he got, uh, uh, he got betrayed, he, got, he went to court, he got, he got uh, hung on a cross and he died, and then forget that he's going to be resurrected. And I believe that we, we can be believers these days where we, we know all this stuff of what Jesus said, but then we forget. But it's time, and I want to stir you this Easter, to begin to remember the most important factor for your life is that Jesus is coming back. Woo! 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. This is what the Apostle Paul says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be, but we'll all be transformed. I want to tell you something. The secret is out today, and the devil doesn't like it when you start living as if you're expecting Jesus to come back. I know there was a time in my life when I was doing my trade and I didn't really like it all that much. You're in the mud, in the rain, in the cold, in, in Melbourne, and it's like, you know, just, you know, depressive and, and it's, it's just a, a bad environment in the construction industry. And I remember thinking, right about now, Jesus, this would be good today. Get me out of the mud. Get me out of the slop. And I remember, you know, you, you, you'd get so covered in mud and dirt and slop. And it's not just, just a couple of hours. It's day after day after day. You think, is it going to stop raining? And I'd say, Jesus, right about now, it would be awesome. I, d- I just wanted to find my boots and my hard hat in the trench. And I go, where's he gone? Where's he gone? And I'm just like, ciao. Ciao, bunga, dudes. But I'll tell you something. The secret is out. Jesus is returning to complete world history. And I believe we are in the sunset period of this world. And we've got to live with this reality and be ready for Jesus, complete redemption when he returns. Because he wants to do a complete redemption in your life now, today, in these days, in these lives. So moving to Colossians 3 verse 1. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. We've seen that uh, already today, that God, uh, Jesus sits in honour at God's right hand. So Jesus went through the most lonely valley, uh, the valley of betrayal, the, ba- the valley of abandonment, the, the valley of cruelty and torture and death. Yet from that valley of suffering, God performed the most complete work of redemption through him for you so that as you walk through life as you go through a journey of of any of those things betrayal abandonment cruelty torture death whatever it is that you may be suffering and even if you do face death you know that you can be raised again to new life in Jesus for eternal life 
without all those things. So Jesus set his sights on the reality of your redemption. He set his sights on the reality of the redemption for the church. Psalm 49, verse 7 and 9 says, um, it says they or the people cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. We can't pay God compensation to get ourselves saved. Redemption does not come so easily for no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave. So when Jesus came to earth, God was reaching down from heaven to the world to make it personal, reaching down to where you are to take you up to where God is. So that's the whole thing. We don't have to try and, and say, well, how do I repay God for what he's done for me? We, we just have to honor God with our lives and live in a way that, that we, we uh, honor his name, yet he's paid the compensation for you. So if I can just have the musicians back and join me, that'll be great. One of the oldest books in our Bibles is, is the book of Job. So I guess it's an ancient prophetic book. And uh, it's, it says this, it, it's, I think it's one of the most ancient prophetic uh, of, of the old covenant books. But Job asks an important question of God. Where do we find it? Job chapter 9, verse 33. He says, if only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. I want to tell you something, that someone is Jesus. 1 Timothy 2 tells us this, there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So the, the Old Testament prophets were searching for a day and for, were, 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 were hoping and believing that perhaps there's a way that we could reach God. If only there was someone. And we live in the day of dispensation where we know that that someone is Jesus and that someone cared enough to, to come and pay our penalty, pay the, the compensation so that we could be redeemed today. That someone is Jesus. And we can live in the blessing. You can live in the blessing that comes with redemption. So if you've never entered a relationship with Jesus, but you would like to, you can respond to Jesus. You can do that today. This Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, you could make that step and be reconciled to God. Have your sins forgiven and have your life redeemed for a much better future. Romans 3 verse 22 tells us this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. I just want to give you some core elements to being born again or, or being set free from your sin. So I just want to clarify some things. Some people think, well, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to give my life to Jesus because I really, really want God to bless my life. And I want, I want lots of money and I want a speedboat and I want a nicer car and I want a really beautiful wife who never gets old. And, and you think, well, I'm going to give my life to Jesus because He's going to promise me all these great things. Now, I believe in God's blessing. And I don't, I don't have an argument with that. But the main core function that Jesus wants to deal with you is to deal with your sin. That's what he dealt with upon the cross. And he took all the penalty of your sin that separated you from God and eternity. And he, he paid that penalty so that you could be free 
of that. That's what he does. And then, you know, he'll, he'll deal with your past sin and he'll deal with your future sin. So when you have an issue with your life and you, you do something that you know was wrong, you don't run away from God. I see many people do this. They, they, they start to go a little bit wonky. And so they go, oh, now I'm going to run away. And you don't, you don't see them come to fellowship. You don't see them in church. You don't see them around anymore. They're not turning up at the prayer meetings. They're, they're running away from God. So they think, well, I've, I've made a mistake. Now I'm going to hide. Now what you do? When you get yourself in that position, you run back to God as fast as you can. And you say, Lord, forgive me. I've done it again. And, and he's, he's able to forgive again and again and again because His blood covers it all. So you need to, you need to uh, reject the lies of the enemy that says run and don't run away, but you run to the Father. And He'll be there with His arms open. So the core elements of our salvation are that we believe, that we repent of our sin, we confess that and, and that we confess Christ, our faith in Jesus as our Savior. Three simple things. But what we do here in this church is a way to help those who don't know God, who want to find their way back to God. Maybe you've been far away. We, 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 we pray this prayer together. But in it, there is a statement that we believe. In this prayer, there's a, a statement that we repent of our sins. There's also a statement that we're confessing Christ as our Lord and Saviour and that we're believing that in our faith that we are born again. Now, that's why we, we uh, pray this prayer together. We do this regularly in this church because it gives anyone an opportunity. It's not, it's not so much for us as believers. It's for the person who doesn't know Jesus. And it's a very important first step of making things right with God. And then we can grow and keep stepping in our faith when we believe that. Can we just have that prayer up right now? And if you will, I'm just going to ask you all to stand with me. We're going to pray this prayer together. And as I said, this is a great first step for those who are away from God, trying to find their way to the Father. And perhaps if you're a believer here today and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not where I should be. I want to be closer to God. I want to start again my journey with the Lord. Then praying this prayer in a sense, can just be a, another step, saying, Lord, from today, I want to I want to step back into the promise. I want to step back into the best that you have for me. So if you will, pray this prayer with me together on the count of three. We'll pray it together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life. And I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now this morning, I really believe that there are those who are here and uh, you've lost sight. You've been a believer. You've been following God. Maybe you've been serving you know, your church. And I don't know everyone here today. But somehow you've just forgotten some of the things that Jesus has spoken. These are personal personal words that God's spoken over your life, maybe prophecies even. But you've forgotten some of those things, just like those, those women went to the empty tomb and they couldn't remember what Jesus had said. They needed a reminder. And right now, Jesus wants to remind you of what He's spoken over your life. The Holy Spirit wants to bring some remembrance into your situation. Maybe you've been called into ministry, but you thought, well, but when I felt that was such a long time ago, things went wrong, things went hard, things 
things didn't work out how I thought they should have. But you know what? God wants to remind you to remember what He spoke. And if that's you this morning, and I know that, that, that there'll be people here this relates to, with our eyes closed right across this place, just to give, it, give ourselves some privacy and to give ourselves some time to respond to the Lord this morning. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything out, outlandish or crazy, but just in this privacy between you and the Holy Spirit, raise your hand and say, Lord, will you redeem those things in my life again? This resurrection morning, will you redeem those things that were taken? Redeem those things that I left behind. Redeem those things that I've forgotten about. There's hands going up right around this place. I just want to pray right now for the Spirit to begin to touch people. Lord Jesus, I just begin to pray over every person that has responded to this call right now. Pray, Lord God, that you are the redeemer. You are the healer. You are the restorer of things lost. And I just pray today by the power that is in the name of Jesus that rose again from the grave is able to bring us back to the place where you want us to be. And I just pray that today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah.